Michael, this is all very confusing. Recession, recession, recession. The media can't stop talking about it, and you're probably worried sick. But what is a recession? Do you really know what it means to be, quote-unquote, in a recession? More importantly, do you know how it affects your everyday life? I'm Remy Bartolotta, and this is On Markets, presented by Darwin Wealth Management and Darwin Asset Management. With me today, I have Chief Investment Officer Michael Sorrentino and Senior Financial Advisor Michael Bartolotta. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to shout out on the show, email comments at onmarkets.com or hit me up directly at remy at onmarkets.com. And if you like our show, please hit the follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. So I have a uh, fun treat for you guys this morning. Uh-oh. So listen to this clip, because this is how we're going to start the episode. It's a write-off for them. How is it a write-off? <laughs> they just write it off. <laughs> write it off what? Jerry, all these big companies, they write off everything. You don't even know what a write-off is. Do you? No, I don't. But they do. And they're the ones writing it off. I can't think of a more perfect clip because you hear it all the time. And I really don't think most people know what recession even means. I think you're probably right. So, Tino, give us uh, Webster's definition. What is the recession? You got to ask yourself what dictionary you're using for a term like recession. I mean, I guess the standard definition is two quarters of negative GDP growth as defined by the National Bureau of Economic Research, or NBER. The way they measure economic activity, I find to be a little uh, convoluted. I try to keep things pretty simple. I'll give you an example. Last quarter in the United States, they said that our economic activity based on GDP or gross domestic product was down 1.5%. So uh, I got to wonder if we get another negative print in the second quarter, does that mean we're officially in a recession as a country? The way they estimate all this and when they publish it, it you know, a lot of times you find out that you're in a quote-unquote recession as defined by the NBER weeks or even months after it's even started. And subsequently, once the recession is over, you find out about it way after the fact. So if you look at the textbook definition, I really don't think the quote-unquote recession gives you any value whatsoever. So, you know, you sort of answered my question, right? I was going to say, you know, all we hear about is, are we going into a recession? And, you know, we talk about how the media is obviously in our face a lot more than it used to be in years past. And in years past, did you hear about a recession prior to it happening? Or was it like, you know, what was that? Oh, that was a recession. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two things, right? There's the actual textbook definition of the recession, which we just discussed, but it's also, when do people start feeling the effects of a slowing economy or an economy that's kind of fallen off the rails a little bit? I mean, you go back to 2008, and that's a good example where there was a lot of pain being felt in the economy before the recession was actually officially called. What we want to focus on more here is you think about what actually drives the economy. Consumer spending and business spending are alone. Consumer spending is 70% of our economy. Business is about 18%. So you think about employment is a big one. In my opinion, it's the biggest one. Once people start seeing their paychecks go down, once people start worrying about layoffs, when they see you know, the person sitting next to them in the office getting rift or a reduction in force, that's when you start seeing that trickle down into other parts of the economy. That is something that's very, very difficult to point a finger out and say, oh, the recession has started. There's some momentum that needs to build, and it does take some time. 
like you say, it's not like today, okay, we're good tomorrow. Somebody says it's a recession and my life is different. It's just this weird, slow, iterative thing that happens. And it just feels very much like, you know, based on the media, it's this ominous thing. It's like this tsunami coming, right? All of a sudden, one day we're going to wake up and there it is. And that's just not the case. Yeah, no, it takes a while. Look, I mean, it takes a while for an economy to get into an expansion phase and to kind of dip into recession. It doesn't happen overnight. Now, it does tend to snowball quickly. And you're right, Remy, the media is not helping at all. I mean, they they jump on this stuff and it is pumped and amplified. Social media does not help anybody with a Twitter account could put together a fake recession forecast. And, and the best part about all this, it is totally legal. There's no standards of care in terms of what gets posted online. So you could put together a fake report, use fake data, get 100,000 followers or a million followers, whatever it might be, and you've done nothing wrong in the eyes of the SEC or the U.S. government. That's insane. So, you know, you mentioned 2008, and we've chatted in the past about the business that Remy and I had prior to the one that we're in now. And so that was a brand new business in the beginning of 2007. And it was a financial service business, okay? And, and we were really just sort of getting up and rolling by mid-2008. And then in, when it was in October, November, whenever it was of, of 08, that, you know, the whole thing fell apart. And yeah, I was panic-stricken, but, you know, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to what was going on. I mean, I had just started a business. I had employees to pay and things to do. And, and you know, we just did whatever we could to sort of pay the bills until things normalized a bit. And it was fine. We built a pretty substantial business, you know, in the worst possible time, probably because we didn't have as much of a realization as the headwinds we were facing as we really had. And I wonder if social media then was what it is now, that it would have had more of an effect on us personally as business owners. Would we have been more fearful and actually made different decisions? So, Tina, you actually sort of hit it nonchalantly in your opener there, how much of an impact does an actual recession have versus how much of an impact does the emotional response to the media saying that we're in a recession, how much of the negative effect is really based on that? You know, you'll love my answer. It depends. Go back to 2008 because that recession, I think, was very unique in the respect that it was a real issue. I mean, that was something that I don't care how bullish you are. I don't care how optimistic you are. The financial crisis in 2008 was the closest we've come to a real test of the global financial system. And that is scary. And you think about how long it took to recover from that. A lot of that was due to the government and increased regulation. But at the same time, there was a deleveraging that went on, right? It wasn't just companies. People had too much debt. And deleveraging cycles are incredibly painful for people and societies. So in that instance, that was a legitimate reason to be worried and thinking, man, this could take a while to recover. Compare that to other recessions. If you go back to 1945, the average recession lasts about 11 months. Okay, If you go back to 18-something, I forgot the exact, it's somewhere in the mid-1800s, the average recession was about 17 and a half months. So what I'm saying here is that over the past you know, century, century and a half, whatever it might be, the length or duration of a recession has been shrinking over time, Okay, with 2008 being a bit of an outlier. So I think that because the duration of pain is shrinking to a certain degree, I think that this idea of a recession is going to become less and less of an issue going forward. 
the irony there is that, of course, the media is going to make it more and more of an issue. There you go. Well, look at 2020, right? Look at COVID. Look at the recession around COVID and some of the craziness that happened. Would COVID have become a as big of a pandemic had it not been for social media? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question, but it's out there. I've got a guess. I don't think so. Highly unlikely. So we've uh, we have a little bit of a reputation on the show, apparently, which I've learned over the months through some feedback here and there is that we tend to have a, a cavalier or at least the impression is that we have a, a cavalier attitude about things that you know most people find extremely worrisome or extremely important and you know what i would say is i don't know that i would necessarily say that we're cavalier about it as much as i think that you know we tend to have access to more resources and look at, at the larger picture and you know sort of look at a more long-term view of things so that being said you know if we do go into a recession you know over the next handful of months how would you characterize the effect of what you think you'll see over the next 12 months versus some of the previous recessions that we've been in Ooh, good question so this goes back to a kind of a philosophical view on our country and our response to recessions. Prior to March of 2020, our country's view for the last, call it 100 years or so, was you're in a recession, suck it up. I mean, that really was the view of the United States government and everyone involved. It was, look, you spent in excess, you're massively over-levered, you kind of rode the wave into euphoria, and now is the time to reset expectations, and the, the strong will survive the ones that are tough enough will build themselves up from the ashes and make the world a better place. And that was the idea, the view of recessionary times. March of 2020 was interesting. Complete opposite. You had Steve Munchen, our, our Treasury Secretary, and he came out and said, we got a ton of money and we're ready to spend it. And you know what happened? It worked phenomenally well. That recession in March of 2020 was self-induced, but we popped out of it in a matter of weeks. Okay, so I, I mentioned earlier the recessions are becoming shorter over time, but that was an anomaly. People say it was an anomaly because the government just turned off the economy. And they did to a degree, but I think it was also an anomaly because they threw money at the problem. So I got to think going forward, and this is not directly answering your question, Remy, but again, philosophically speaking, going forward, if I'm a politician now and I've got an option over here that I know works really, really well, all right, we have a use case that's been proven to work, which is throwing money at the problem. What are we going to do the next time we're in a recession? Didn't that happen to an extent in 08, right, with the government bailouts of AIG and the automakers and things like that? Didn't sort of it have its roots in that recession? Yeah, that was kind of the primer. Yeah, they came in, bailed a bunch of companies out. I think the difference back then was there was a systemic problem in the economy. I mean, the banking system wasn't perfect. Uh, the regulatory environment, although I think uh, my opinion was they took it way too far after the financial crisis. But the regulatory environment was a little too loose back in 2007, 2008. We saw the ramifications of that. So when you look at March of 2020, I mean, the economy was fine. I mean, we were actually growing. We were still in a bull market. Everything was moving along fine. So when you dipped into that recession, yes, throwing money at the problem was easy to solve the problem, but it also, we had a pretty good base relative to 2008 where it was a severe contraction. Had the government not responded in 2008, it would have been another Great Depression. There's no question. So, you know, I know you're not a fortune teller, and this may be a, a little bit of a large question, but how do you see the next 12 to 18 months shaking out? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say that the risk of a real recession this year, I, I still think is pretty low. If you look at the data, don't focus on GDP because there's too many levers in there that can cause distortions. 
focus on spending and employment. And if you look at those types of data points, they look pretty good right now. And there's a concern that spending right now is coming down, and it is, because last year, the last two years rather, it's been up massively because government sent checks in the mail. There's a normalization of spending that's going on. And yes, inflation is impacting spending a little bit, but I think the overwhelming majority of what we're seeing right now is based on this normalization effect where the government's no longer sending checks in the mail, where we're no longer buying TVs left and right, and we're shifting our spending into more services-based approach, travel, things of that nature. And we're seeing that in the data. So I don't think a recession is necessarily imminent this year. A year from now, 18 months from now, our base case is that we got to start worrying about this at some point. And that comes down to the fact that the Fed has put themselves in a situation where to tame inflation, they are going to have to risk a recession. Now, whether they get this quote-unquote soft landing where they can actually tame inflation without driving our economy into recession, I think that's going to be tough to pull off. They don't have a good track record of it. Uh, but on the flip side, I do think Powell and this team is probably the most capable group that we've seen in the Fed since probably the early 80s. You know, we've had a lot of academics run the Fed for many decades, and Powell, is, he's got real-world experience. And I think that actually matters because it's one thing to read about a recession in a textbook somewhere. It's another thing to actually be out in the real world and try to run a business like you guys did in 2008 and see what the effect of a recession is. So I think little things like that will hopefully dampen the effects. But again, I don't see how the Fed's going to be able to pull this off. So as it relates to our listeners... You know, is there something that they can do to prepare? Is there something that they should do to you know, weather the storm? And what should our listeners be thinking about right now? Yeah, the question is, you know, what do you do with your money, first and foremost? And I would say that it's really easy to just want to run to cash. But we all know where inflation is right now. Cash is just not going to really return anything. So you're locking in a loss there. Then you got to worry about taxes and, and whatnot. I think that staying the course is a very misused term. That's just saying, you know, put blinders on and ignore what's going on in the world. I don't think that's necessarily the right approach either. In terms of the way we invest, we do believe in staying fully invested. That's really the only way over the long run to capitalize on the good and the bad times, but mostly the good times. But what we try to do along the way is recognize where we are in the business cycle, right? I mean, the closer we get to a recession, we're going to start seeing that in the data. And once we start seeing in the data, we're going to try to get in front of that a little bit, but not too much. So that ends up being something that a lot of times is unpalatable to investors. They're like, we don't want to take the ride down. And that's just not a viable approach without trying to guess where the market's going. If you stay in front of these things a little bit, just a little bit over time through the powers of compounding, you tend to see phenomenal returns gained by, like I said, these migratory moves slowly over time, methodical, where you might not feel it on a month-to-month -month or even day-to-day -day basis. But when you take a step back and look over maybe a 12 to 18-month time period, you see that your asset allocation, your strategies are moving, and they're moving quite dramatically. You know, the other side of that equation is not just how you're invested, it's how you spend your money. And you know, the conversations that I'm having now are starting to take on a little more of a feel like, you know, where is my money going? I'm budgeting whatever X dollars per month. But, you know, I probably don't really need that much. I probably spend more than I should. Maybe it's a good time to sort of build up a little bit of a cushion just in case. And I think people feel a little more of a sense of control on that side of it because it's something that they can do, right? It's like spending versus investing. It's really two completely different things. Absolutely. And, and if you take a look at consumer balance sheets right now, I mean, let's flip this equation around. Let's say I'm wrong. Okay. Let's say 
we're already in a recession or we're about to dip into recession in the next couple months. Okay. The question is, what's it going to feel like? What's it going to look like? And, and if you look at the data, we are so much more prepared today for a recession or an unexpected recession than probably any other time in the last hundred years, maybe even more than that. If you look at consumer balance sheets, consumer net worth is up dramatically since since pre-COVID. I mean, and it's not just the rich, right? The bottom 50% of our country, their net worth grew 75% in two years. Household debt service ratios, okay? How much money you're spending every single month to service debts is 40% lower than what it was going into the financial crisis. It's at almost at an all-time low. We've got $2.4 trillion in cash sitting in bank accounts because of the stimulus checks and because of what's been going on in the last two years. Consumers are better prepared today. Businesses, the story are the same. It's almost the same. S&P 500 profit margins that are all-time high. Cash on balance sheets are over $7 trillion. The story here is that consumers and businesses, if we are caught off guard, they are so much better prepared today. So much better. We're always dogging the media, right? For putting these stories out that create a lot of negative behavior. Maybe this is one case where it's created some positive behavior. Maybe it's created a sense of urgency in people to prepare for for something just in case it happens. You know, almost like a weather report. You know, carry an umbrella just in case it rains. Another quick data point on this: you saw a lot of media reports about people buying like Louis Vuitton bags during the crisis because of the stimulus checks. What didn't get a lot of coverage? was consumer credit card debt was cut by over 10% in a matter of months, okay? They were deleveraging with that stimulus check coming in the mail. So there might be a little element of that as well. By the way, I could never quite figure out that Louis Vuitton bag with your stimulus check, right? I mean, 1200 bucks, what, what are they buying? A strap? <laughs> I mean, there's no, I've never seen a Louis Vuitton bag for 1200 bucks. Yeah, not even the fake ones these days, right? Right, yeah, exactly. So I'll throw this out to both of you guys. When it comes to recession and the media's hype, what's the bottom line? For me, it's control what you can control, right? It's not terribly different than the conversation we just had about our, our business in 08. You try to really focus on what affects you personally in your lifestyle and try not to get too freaked out about you know all these ominous things that are being predicted because the reality is most of them have no effect on your day-to-day -day life. I'd say for me, the bottom line is that uh, the U.S. has been through several recessions since uh, 1854, actually 34 to be exact. Every single time, every time we have, as a country, have emerged stronger and more capable in terms of our economic growth going forward. So again, if we're caught off guard, if one day I look like an idiot because I didn't see it coming, whatever it might be, we're going to get through it because we always do. And they're the ones writing it off. This podcast is created and presented by Darwin Asset Management, LLC and Darwin Advisors, LLC, collectively referred to as Darwin. Darwin does not make any representation or warranties and therefore takes no responsibility as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information contained in this podcast. Any tax or legal information contained in this podcast is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The information presented does not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there could be no assurance that any investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Information presented is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities mentioned herein.